How's it going? It's a great Wednesday afternoon. My name is Hayden Joyner, and this is Off the Bench, your top sports talk show here on XLR, Lane University Radio. I'm joined, as always, with Chris Fortenberry and Liam Worley. Guys, uh, how's it going? Salutations Good. and greetings. I'm doing fantastic. Um, we got a lot to talk about today. The Masters just concluded up this past weekend. Uh, Scotty Scheffler winning it after uh, we had an intense talk with Chris on the phone last week, uh, previewing the whole thing. So we'll get some talk between Chris and Liam towards the Masters, NFL news, draft previews, and uh, a lot more motorsports and uh Maybe some NBA talk coming in the next couple episodes. I don't know, but uh, Chris and Liam are not a fans of the NBA, but we were just uh, making a little fun of it. But, I, yeah. I, I had a uh, I had a Giannis shirt at one point in time that got bleach all over it, so I threw it away. And I have a Kimball Walker Celtics jersey, which is irrelevant now. So It's a rare one then. Yeah, no, <laughs> not really. I'm sure you could find it on eBay for dirt cheap, but here we are. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see what we get into it into that with, with uh, in the future. But I want to start with the Masters with you two. We had a, a long talk, like way longer than I thought it was. It was like 20 minutes last week we did with uh, with Chris on the phone calling in. Thanks for his support. But um, it was fun, man. I mean, was, I enjoyed it. Yeah. The Masters is something to be passionate about. I got sure. to I got to peek in a, t- a little bit. I had a busy weekend, so I didn't get a, a huge chance to watch a ton of it. But uh, from what I was checking in, it was it was a very exciting round. And uh, Scotty Scheffler pulled off the win by a pretty, pretty decent margin. I mean, not, yeah. nothing, nothing mm-hmm. insane, but he won pretty easily. I mean, I probably watched 40 hours worth of golf between yeah. Thursday and Sunday. I watched so. about 10 minutes yeah. of Tiger on Thursday, and that was about it. No, I watched. If it was on, I watched it. Yeah. So uh, with you guys, with, you, with, with I'll, I'll let Liam, you start out with this, because you're the master in it, apparently, of the Masters, because you watch 40 hours, apparently, like 10 a day, it seems. I mean, I don't have the golf knowledge that Chris does necessarily, but I am, yeah, this is, this is the time of year when golf is something I definitely put on the television for long periods of time, uh, especially on Thursdays and Fridays when my NASCAR racing isn't on. So, uh, but yeah, it, it was a... Uh, it was a good tournament this week, you know, with an American winning. That was a good thing. Uh, we didn't have the competitive uh, advantages that we would have liked to have seen, like Cam Smith making a back nine run on Sunday. Or, you know, we did see Rory have an incredible Sunday, but he was too far back to start with. So it just kind of didn't go that way, uh, making it one of the classics. But Scotty Scheffler is playing the most unbelievable golf we've seen uh since we've been alive and uh four tournaments and six start or four wins and six tournaments accumulating over 10 million dollars going from 15 to number one it's it's insane yeah and keep in mind that scotty scheffler in just these what six starts or four four events Mm -hmm. has already made more money than arnold jack nicholas arnold palmer jack nicholas and gary player collectively in their entire careers and he's done that in four tournaments. Yeah, I I feel like I should blame most of that on inflation, but oh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> but it's I mean, still first come yeah. a long way since then. But that's just insane because yeah. those are three Hall of Famers yeah. who played for a long time. Yeah, I mean, just the stretch of golf will probably get Scotty Scheffler in the Hall of Fame. I mean, yeah, and he's got just some unbelievable tournaments coming up too. He said his favorite favorite course is where the PGA Championships being played this mm-hmm. year. He said that back in 2019, and uh. God forbid he gets hot there. If he gets starts off under, he's gone. He's nobody's gonna get him. Exactly. You know, you want to talk about a guy who just has it all. Like before, I we've seen. I saw this run from Scotty. I thought he was the type of guy who's you know makes a ton of birdies. He's gonna go out there and outscore everybody. But he's he's evolved so much to now where if the tournament is playing difficult, he's the best guy out there. He just 
he's one of the best grinders on tour as well as uh, guys who can just go out there and torch the golf course. So when you combine that, it almost it's it's really uh, reminiscent of Tiger Woods. I mean, a guy who could go out there and just take over and just go, you know, 18 under at the Masters like he did uh, in 97 and then win when the conditions are super tough. And if you can, if you're both of those players combined in one, there's really no tournament you can't win. And it's it's uh, that's why we've seen this guy, uh, and we're seeing him at number one in the world right now. And I don't think that's going to slow down anytime soon. Definitely not. Now I know I I, mean, I posed this question to Chris uh, last Wednesday about about Tiger going into this tournament, and I was like, top ten, bottom ten, what are we thinking? And of all the qualified finishers, he uh, he finished what was it, forty seventh, yeah. uh, thirteen over. So. Y'all, y'all both told me he's like, oh, he's he's not gonna finish that low. And well, the thing is, he made the cut, yeah. which he beat a lot of very talented golfers. I mean, like, there was like six guys that were probably in the top fifteen, or if not more, in the odds that missed the cut. I yeah. mean, mm-hmm. Jordan Spieth, Sam Burns Xander. is one of the hottest golfers in the world right now. Yeah, Xander Shoffley, a lot of good guys missed the cut, and Patrick Cantley. Mm-hmm. No, he, he made, made it. He, he did make it. Terrible. Yeah, played played like garb, but. You know, great players that are in the top 15 in the world, and Tiger was able to outplay them. And the thing is, like, it didn't really play into Tiger's favor conditions-wise because with his back and with his body, if the conditions do get a little bit colder, he tightens up a little bit. Mm. And he's admitted that uh, beforehand. So when it gets cold, it's tougher for him to rotate and do everything he usually does when it's, you know, down in Florida. And uh, it got just probably a little tough for him to make the – same swings he had been making uh, earlier in the week, so that's probably why he dropped quite a few shots there in the last two days. But uh, regardless, uh, the fact that you know this was his first tournament in 500 days, and uh, to come out there to make the cut to beat some of the top players in the world is just so impressive and proves to why he's the legend and as as great as he is. And this is one of the most physically and mentally demanding golf mm-hmm. courses in in the world yeah. like you know this isn't just something where you can get back in a rhythm this is where you have to you have to mentally and physically overcome that and you know with him still limping a little bit and this being his first competitive round and god knows how long you know it it takes some time like to build back up to that and he hasn't committed to the next two majors uh being the PGA Championship and the U.S. Open, he's only committed to the British Open, which is not being played until July. Mm-hmm. So, well, what what about Augusta makes it like gives it those attributes, just being a physically and mentally demanding course? Uh, like just the hills, man, yeah. and you can't. Yeah. It's not it's not predictable golf. Yeah. You can't like hit it two feet to the pin and expect it to stay there. I mean, mm-hmm. it could have been a great shot, but it could roll back forty freaking yards. So on Saturday. Mm-hmm. when the conditions were really tough, the guys on TV were, were describing it, and they were saying it is basically when they were getting to, like, the back nine out there at Augusta, it is like there is windmills blowing from every possible angle at these guys. So the wind is going everywhere. I mean, you have no true judge of where it's going. It's just swirling. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? It feels like mm-hmm. it's coming from every direction. It could be down. It could be into. It could be across. You have no idea. And that's just what Augusta does when it gets tough like that. That's why these guys are going in the water on 12. And these short holes that look so simple, it's not. Hmm. I mean, you got Scotty Scheffler playing miles left on 12, almost going into the woods, mm-hmm. because it's that scary and demanding of a golf shot. And, you know, we've seen time and time again guys lose the tournament at Avon Corner 
uh, because you know that you just don't know what to expect. And the TV really doesn't do that golf course justice. Not for how at all. Difficult it really is. Yeah. And the fact that these guys are out here playing this level of golf, it's just amazing. It's amazing to watch, and that's why this tournament's so special. Yeah. Well, what would y'all say is like? Because I mean, I'm looking at the standings right now, and and of course, you know, I'm not recognizing a ton of names because I don't follow golf that well. <laughs> but just from my insight. Who was like one of the bigger, you know, surprises or disappointments of this tournament? I mean, to me, there's quite a few disappointments. Yeah, there's a lot of disappointments. <laughs> the only surprise, really, to me, would be like Cameron Champ finishing top ten. Yeah. I mean, he's ranked outside the top hundred in the world. He's only ever had two minor wins on the tour, and uh, I mean, heck, I picked, I picked a four player parlay for one of my buddies at Clemson and I picked three golfers that finished in the top six hmm. so like I kind of expected that but you know the biggest shock to me was Jordan Spieth not even making the cut he was my fourth golfer that I picked and he's usually the man around there mm-hmm. and didn't do anything this week yeah I guess it just didn't really play into his favor with the conditions and how they were and that's understandable and then you got guys who I thought you know I said on the the phone call who were just rock solid within that range, the short range, when the conditions are tough, these are the guys who pull out and win. And that was Brooks, uh, Patrick Cantlay, and Xander Shoffley. And neither of those guys played well. And to me, that was shocking um, to see them struggle so much. And, of course, when I thought if the conditions got tough, these guys would propel and be at the top of the leaderboard, and that just didn't happen. Yeah, I mean. that was shocking to me. Yeah, that's definitely true. And, I mean, for the first timers, like Sam Burns was supposed to be the guy that had a shot finishing top five at least, and he'd already won two tournaments this year. And you know, besides Scotty Scheffler and Cam Smith, is probably playing some of the best golf in the world right now. And him missing the cut too was kind of shocking to me because the Masters did a fantasy app this year, and he was um, the first timer I picked and didn't even get to make it to the weekend. So that kind of was I mean, dampering. This is, I mean, I can, I'm, this is bold for me to say, and, you know, it has no um, value at all because you don't know how things are going to go. But I I personally believe Tiger, had he not have gotten into that accident, would have been top five guaranteed or have won this event this week because you can tell that knowledge of the golf course and knowledge Mm -hmm. of how the game is played is what would have won this week. And with the way, the fact that he was able to make the cut was all from his experience, not from his ability. Yeah. Because he obviously wasn't 100%. And had he been 100%, had he been practicing for a year in these five, last 500 days, there's no one I felt more comfortable with winning that golf tournament than him with his best, you know, 100%. Yeah. And his knowledge. And, you know, that's, that's to me, making the cut just proves that, so... Sounds like Chris wants to back Tiger Woods for the 2023 Masters. If he's there, we'll see. <laughs> He'll be there. Don't don't act like you won't. I mean, I've kind of already made my pick for that Masters too, being Cam Smith, kind of on a comeback <laughs> comeback year since he uh, he did not play well. Well, he he played all right uh, Sunday, but man, he had it going early and just gave it away. I gotta believe a few bogeys after this. This past week, I gotta believe Rory's getting close to putting on that green jacket. Rory's never gonna put it. on the green <laughs> as, jacket as much as I never. hate it. 
And I said he'll never win a green jacket, but it's coming. No, Cam Smith and Will Zalatoris are going to win the next 10. The problem is that that course sets up so well for him. If he's playing well, he's just going to run away with it. Rory's never going to play well ever again. (laughs) I'm speaking it into existence. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, you never know. I just think he's due for a major soon. I don't. He hasn't won one in 100 years. Exactly. It's been like eight years. That's why he's due. That doesn't make him due. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. He's a top 10 player in the world consistently. He gets top 10 nah. more than anybody. Nah. He's definitely do. No, he's not do. <laughs> he's won a major in eight years. Yeah, it's since been 2014. Since, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because I remember like hearing about him winning a ton like a back like a while ago. Yeah. yeah. He won four in a span of two years. Yeah. yeah. And then that just makes me feel old, honestly. Because I remember hearing about that. Like Three. I'll see that on like Sports Center like forever ago. And that doesn't that feels like maybe four years ago, but eight years ago. Yeah. Me. No, it's it sucks for him, but it's good for me. I don't like him at all. <laughs> And why is that? Uh, things I can't guy. say on things I can't say on air. <laughs> I got you. Well, we'll shift off of golf. Uh, what's when's the next? Is there next? When's the next major? Uh, uh, it's mid-May. The PGA Championship at Southern Hills in Oklahoma. Right, maybe, maybe we'll do a, an off-season golf special for you two, and y'all can cover that as well. Yeah, maybe that'd be dope. Yeah. Well, we'll shift over to the NFL. Uh, we'll get into this. I mean, all the, all the news coming out of the NFL so far. We got NFL uh, NFL draft, the 2022 draft class coming up. We'll get into that for, in a minute. But first, we wanted to touch on uh, Dwayne Haskins and uh, what happened this past weekend when he was tragically killed in Florida in a uh, in a road accident. And uh, I know Chris, as a Ohio State uh, fan and big advocator for Dwayne Haskins, both when he was with Washington and uh, his upcoming potentially season with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know Chris had something that he wanted to uh, to say about it. So I'll I'll leave the floor to Chris to uh, to speak on Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. It's- it's heartbreaking, man. I'm still heartbroken over it. The fact that, you know, he was so young, 24 years old, had his whole life ahead of him um, to be taken off, you know, off this earth so soon. It, it sucks, you know, and you got to, you know, I'm, I'm praying for him and his family at, in this tough time because I know he was so close to them and they had such a great relationship all throughout um, his Ohio State career. And I know his his NFL, they were there supporting him through it all. So I know it's tough for them. And I know he just got married last year, so him and his uh, – got to be praying for his wife as well. But, um, you know, Dwayne Haskins, he's going to leave a legacy behind at, at twenty, just 24 years old, and I think that's that's amazing. You know, he's a, he's a Buckeye legend forever. And what he did in 2018, I think he broke 28 records that year. Um, and that, to me, that's just phenomenal. Um, to come in there, to have an 11-1 season, win the Big Ten Championship – uh, win the Rose Bowl with one of the worst defenses, I will say, in the country that year. To go out there and to to do that, to take over, be a leader in your first year as a starter, to beat out guys like Joe Burrow, um, that says a lot, you know. And I know from what I've heard from his teammates, his his coaches, Dwayne was was really a great guy off the field. Uh, he was volunteering twenty four seven, from what I'm told. He did a lot for the community. He was really growing as a person, really learning from uh, maybe early mistakes he made on made in his NFL career. But he was really growing not only as a player but as a person. And uh, most of us believed his best years were to come. And um, it's just sad. But uh, you know, Dwayne's never going to be forgotten in the Ohio in the Buckeye community within Buckeye Nation. He'll always be remembered. Uh, I know, you know, for a lot of – I know you all know he's didn't really get off to a great start. But regardless, uh, 
he was a phenomenal athlete, and everyone he was with said he could just sling the ball and wish – even Ben Roethlisberger said, I wish I could throw it like you, man. And uh, I don't know. I just – I know it's a tough time for his family, and I'll be praying for them for sure, and hopefully they can get through this. And uh, definitely going to miss Dwayne Haskins, and may he rest in peace. Yeah, it was just one of those news stories that, like, came out – was it Saturday morning, yeah, I believe? Yeah, it was early Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, where you're just like – like what the heck like i mean of all the news stories you think to come out that's like the last thing you'd probably predict to come out obviously and it's something nobody would ever want to predict to to occur to anybody but um like chris was saying he'll leave a legacy he was a great guy um throughout his ups and downs ohio state he was a great great quarterback great player there and then with his, t- his time with washington you know he left an impact there regardless of uh of everything and then coming into the steelers he was going to fight out for that starting role i'm sure with uh with everybody there in, in pittsburgh and I was, I mean, I was looking forward to see what he had, to, what he had in, in Pittsburgh. You know, quality. I mean, he was, he was a quality in Ohio State. He had, you know, this stuff with Washington. You know, just the struggles of that organization. They've been such a bad organization for so long, anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's tough to see any quarterback succeed there. But somewhere in Pittsburgh, where you know they took Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph to the, uh, in a, a 500 season that one year, like two years ago. It was interesting to see what Dwayne Haskins should have done. But uh, sadly, we'll not get a chance to see that. But hopefully, the NFL. This upcoming season, we'll have a good time or a good way to honor his legacy in this upcoming year. I know Ohio State. There's already been people trying to get uh, his initials on the helmets for this upcoming season and some other stuff like that. So yeah, I think uh, from what I was told, the number seven will most likely be retired for Ohio State. That'd be good. Stroud will probably change his number from seven to one, which was his high school number, um, and I think that'll be great for the university to do that for him because of what he was able to accomplish there and, and how much he meant to the university. So it would be it would be a good thing to see if they they could do that. Yeah. Um, just hopefully, you know, do the best they can for all these schools and uh, and hopefully Dwayne Haskins and uh, his legacy will live on mm-hmm. in the future. But uh, we'll jump to, to the NFL draft now. And what we're going to do with the NFL draft is, uh, I think it's the 28th, I believe, 28th yes, or 30th. Yes, that's what you said. Uh, yeah, so April 28th to 30th. Coming up in just two weeks' time uh, after this Thursday. So for the next three episodes, we'll be covering, we'll be looking at different aspects of the NFL draft. This week, we're going to focus on quarterbacks, and the rest of the next upcoming two weeks, we'll focus on other aspects. I know, like last year and previous years, we focused like teams every every episode. It's like, oh, what would the what would the Broncos do? What would the Lions do at certain picks? And we might maybe dive into some of that next week as well. But I want to start off this week, guys, with uh, with the NFL quarterbacks. Obviously, we have a draft class that's not. I think that's. I mean, we talked about it before the show. Like, it's widely known as not going to be a very good draft class. Yeah, it's not star-studded. There's, you know, guys that have potential that, you know, played well in college, but, you know, they weren't they weren't these superstars or, you know, people supposed to just make an impact right off the right off the bat. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens. But yeah, yeah. I mean, because typically years, I mean, even with just the quarterbacks, there's always a consensus number one quarterback that's going to be taken whether you know Trevor Lawrence last year or you know Joe Burrow in previous years like those kind of guys it's always like that's the number one but then who's the rest to follow but this year there's there's a ton of like just decent quarterbacks that who knows what order they're going to go in it kind of reminds me of last year like after Trevor Lawrence where it was like oh do you take Trey Lance do you take any of these other guys do you take Justin Fields those kind of players who comes in the second spot who comes in the third or the fourth spot and that's kind of the deal with these quarterbacks this year you know, Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, Matt Corral, Sam Howell, uh, Desmond Ritter, all these guys. Is it, Who's going to go one? Who's going to go five? Are we going to have two first-rounders, two top tens? 
Are we going to have like none of them? Are they all going to be second or third rounders? It's really up in the air. And and even for the number one overall pick, I'm sure Chris knows as a Jaguars fan, who are they going to take? You know, Chris wants Sauce Gardner really bad, but also you know Aiden Hutchinson's flying in there in the mix of being the number one overall pick. So there's just tons of speculation and uncertainty towards this draft, which I feel like, for one, it makes it kind of a boring draft because hey, there's not really a star-studded class, but it also makes it interesting in the fact that we don't know who's going to go where, and it feels like almost every pick in the first round especially, is going to be a surprise potentially. Like, oh, that team, you know, didn't expect them to draft. I don't know who the Cowboys are going to get at number 24. It could be an O-lineman. It could be Chris Olave. I don't know. But uh, I'll take anybody at this rate. We'll just see how it plays out. But for the quarterbacks, I wanted to focus on the main five, kind of the top five that everybody's been t- thinking about. Kenny Pickett, Desmond Ritter, Sam Howell, Malik Willis, Matt Corral. I mean, I'll just start off. We can just go down the list one by one. But who would you guys have really – as like your personal like best quarterback in this draft, I'm gonna say Kenny Pickett. I mean, and it's, I mean they a lot of them they got different styles of play. Like you could say that you know Malik Willis is a lot more mobile guy, and Matt Corral can kind of embody a little bit of both. But uh, you know Kenny Pickett's more of your pro style quarterback, which you know the transition is kind of shifting in the culture of quarterbacks in the NFL. But uh, I definitely think uh, he would probably get picked, you know, ahead of the others uh, just because of his abilities that he was able to show last year at Pittsburgh. And, uh, you know, he had a decent, decent little Heisman-esque run there and uh, played some good ball. But that's all I got to say about him. I'm not too excited about anybody. (laughs) Yeah, I couldn't honestly, if I was an NFL GM, I couldn't honestly tell you that I would want to draft any one of these quarterbacks. Oh, well. Just because they don't stand out, you know. If you want, if you're going to draft a quarterback, you want it to be worthwhile. You want it to be a guy who you feel is a can't miss. Yeah, guys like Trevor, you know, and and maybe guys with the athleticism of Fields or Mahomes, Watson, guys like that. But none of these guys really say that they have it to mm-hmm. me. When you watch them, I watched Matt Corral against Baylor, and he looked like a truly terrible quarterback. And then of course he ended up getting hurt, and we didn't get to see him play for the rest of the game which was and you never want to see that but up to that point he didn't look like a first round draft pick mm-hmm. and to me I think there was there's no reason I would draft Matt Corral or I mean you look at the other guys I mean Ritter had a great record in college I don't think he ever lost at home at Cincinnati never had lost a home game um, and you know he has a lot of confidence that he's the best quarterback in the draft of course but to me, when you look, when you break it down, like what I saw at the combine, I I gotta say, I guess Malik Willis has the biggest upside. I think he could potentially be a Deshaun Watson, but you know he's got to he's got to prove it, and he's got to go to the right system and develop. Yeah, yeah. But I, I I don't see any of these quarterbacks starting this year at all. I don't either. That's like I think that's the main takeaway. There's there's not really a starter in this draft class. I feel like everybody. Of those of like the top guys, I feel like they could all be decent stars in the NFL if you give them the time to develop under a decent uh, quarterback, which that again falls and determines what team they fall to. You know, some of the top teams at the beginning of the draft that people are thinking are going to take a quarterback are like the Detroit Lions and the Carolina Panthers, which they'll sit behind quarterbacks to develop, but that means you're sitting behind, you know, uh, Cam Newton or, or Sam or Darnold Sam and PJ Walker. Exactly. They're the two they have on their roster right now. Is Cam, he hasn't been re signed, right? No. Not re signed yet, but there's. I doubt he will be. No, they, there is already to retire. 
Yeah. yeah. And then if you're in Detroit, you know, you're sitting behind just that crazy, like just awful offense. And um, don't say that. They're on the up. They're on the up. <laughs> They don't I need know a quarterback. A quarterback's not the piece they need. No. <laughs> Get Evan Neal for me. Protect Jared Goff. Yeah. I mean, the man went to a Super Bowl. You just got to give him the opportunity. Uh, to... He got carried to a Super Bowl. By who? Sean McVay. So Aaron Matthew Donald. did the same thing? He got carried? Oh boy! Oh, there's there, there's there's threat. You open this can of worms. <laughs> oh no, I won't get back into this. But Stafford <laughs> Stafford did more for the team than Jared Goff did. But either way, Malik Willis, if he goes to the Lions or to the Panthers early on, those are, those would be a top ten draft picks. I think the Lions for number two if they take him that early. You know, I don't know if I want to sit behind and develop by Jared Goff, especially for Malik Willis. That's not a system you're going to want to play in just because it's not similar, really. Malik Willis as a player. I've seen a lot of comparisons like Josh Allen. He's just kind of like smaller in size where he has a big arm. He has the rushing ability. And if you get him in the open field on design runs, he'll be able to make, you know, some rushes past linebackers into the secondary. Yeah. He's got that ability. He's got that upside. A lot of people are saying he has the highest ceiling of any of these quarterbacks in the draft. You know, the most upside. He can give you the most production for your team. It's just a matter of, you know, can you develop him into the right system in the NFL? And I feel like only a certain amount of teams can fit that system for Malik Willis. He's a, he's a huge rushing quarterback. Almost uh, 878 rushing yards, 13 rushing touchdowns this past year, in uh, for Liberty. And I mean, I don't know. He'll just be just a huge factor. You get him in the secondary design runs, he'll make some plays. He has just a huge arm talent, just like Josh Allen. That's who like everyone's been comparing him to. And I don't know how early he's going to want to go. I feel like he's one of the two. I've heard mostly like him and Kenny Pickett are the two that are going to go most likely the earliest. If the, gonna, if there's going to be any first rounders, it's going to be those two. I would agree, but yeah. you know, like. Yeah, I agree that Malik Willis has a ceiling too, but like, there's not enough value in these quarterbacks to take them that early in the draft. Yeah. Like, if you could get them at the third round backwards, I mean, there's good value in those picks. But to me, you know, having a backup or a third string quarterback picked in the first round isn't making the most no, of your pick. And that mm-hmm. that makes no sense to me. It feels like the media and everyone is overvaluing or valuing. Sorry, the uh, quarterbacks in this draft, like like Liam said, I wouldn't pick any of these guys higher than the third round. And the fact that these guys are going to go in the top ten is a joke. Like, what makes them top ten worthy? What have any of them done in their college careers to put them top ten worthy? And usually when one team takes a quarterback, usually more follow pretty quickly because mm-hmm. people are worried that all the – it's gonna be. It was like toilet paper at the beginning of COVID. It just flies <laughs> off the shelves because yeah. there's not gonna be any left. So, I, I mean, I'd agree. I don't think any of these guys are top ten worthy. If it, in, in a perfect world, no one's gonna take these. The only team in the top ten, I was mentioning the Lions earlier. And I don't think they're gonna take somebody just yet. They'll stick with Goff for another year or develop another guy behind him that they'll draft later on in the draft. If I had to pick any team in this draft to take a quarterback first round or top ten, it's gonna be the Panthers. Only reason is because they're not gonna. I mean, Matt Rule, he's on the chopping block for, for getting fired as a head coach after only his second season or after or during his third season coming up. And he can't rely on Sam Darnold or uh, P.J. Walker, or any of his quarterbacks that he's had, to carry that team to success. They've already signed, like, Darnold to, like, his fourth-year option already, though. But that doesn't mean anything in the NFL. Yeah, I know it him. doesn't, but still, I mean, you got, you're going to have to dish out some money to for them right now, and the Panthers have the most cap space in the NFL right now. They could sign someone better than freaking, uh, you know, or pick Pickett or Malik Willis or whoever, and they could get someone who's decent, already developed some, 
Uh, you know, you can just kind of mold him into your system if you're really looking to get after a quarterback. I'd say the Panthers are right there with Jacksonville with the, just some of the dumbest organizations in the NFL. I mean, they handed the Jets a, a, the deal of a lifetime to get Sam, Sam Darnold on their team. And it's just everyone knew who Sam Darnold was. Um, and he still is that player. He's not changed. Um, he's a guy who just struggles when under pressure. He does. When he gets behind in the pocket, mm-hmm. when the ball's in his hands, he messes up. He cannot win you football games, and he won't. And the fact that the Panthers believed in that he could do it, it's just idiotic to me. I mean, they dished out a lot of money for him, and I just looked. The Lions still have four quarterbacks on their roster. Four? Four. Who? Jared Goff, uh, David Blow, Tim Doyle, and Steven Montez. Okay, I don't know the last. I know I know the other three names, but not that last one. Though. I'd never <laughs> even heard of Tim Doyle. I know Blow played for a little bit last year because uh, Jared Goff was injured or he something. He played pretty good last year, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he did. Uh, but, yeah, the other two, they probably need to go, too, since uh, they're probably nobodies. But Yeah. I mean, and whatever the situation with Sam Darnold is in Carolina, I still think that just no matter what, they're going to take somebody, even just take Kenny Pickett or whoever you want to do number one overall of all the quarterbacks, just to stick behind Darnold and just use this kind of leverage for Darnold to play better. And if he doesn't, you stick that guy in. Fingers crossed you have an explosive rookie campaign, which, you know, it's hit or miss sometimes. You never know what could happen. But Matt Rule's going to have to bank on that because he's getting fired regardless at the end of the season unless, you know, above 500 or better. Owner David Tepper for the Panthers, he's not going to let – Matt Rule continue another year. And David Tepper's already shown in the previous years that, you know, you give him success or he's just going to get rid of you. Yeah. You know, he just pulled out of the deal um, in South Carolina when they're building their new training facility. Uh, Rockville, South Carolina didn't pay up on taxes. And so he just cut that whole spending thing done. He's like, you're not going to work with me. I'm done. And he'll do the same thing with Sam Darnold or Matt Rule, whoever is not working as good as he expects them to be. Because he's one of the richest owners in the NFL. He's putting money into that organization. And if they're not finding success, He's gonna, you know, jump not jump ship, but he's gonna, you know, blow up the ship and rebuild a new one. To so, me, oh, to me, I would wait like third round to get Matt Corral because I mean he's probably the best of the rest of those quarterbacks, and uh, you know his injury it dropped his dropped his draft stock. If he would have stayed healthy, he'd probably, unfortunately, for us, not for him, been a first round draft pick as well. So if you could might get him in the third or fourth round, that's who I would maybe put behind Sam Darnold. But I, I just there's options out there right now that you could get that are val- would be better value than drafting a quarterback. Baker Mayfield, mm-hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo. Very true. Those two would be way better. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo has been to the playoffs and won Super Bowls. I know not from himself. Not as a starter, but yes. But he's been to a Super Bowl. Should have won. Yeah. Was do, playing well. It was just in the NFC Championship game. Exactly, yeah. and that—that's the thing. I just don't get why you would keep a guy who hasn't done anything in his career, hasn't even had a anywhere even in the realm of a winning season in his time in the NFL, and you're just going to keep him and yeah. and expect a different result. I mean, that's. What, I mean, whether they draft a quarterback or they get someone else, they're. I don't think they should stay with. And what have they done them. to their offense to make them seem like they're going to be any better than last year? Nothing. Any receivers that I don't know about? No. Christian no. McCaffrey got uh, titanium legs. They now. they signed some some guy uh, that's like a third string receiver, maybe like or a wide receiver three uh, rather, but like 
you know, he's not going to improve the offense, the amples that they need it. They haven't signed any studly offensive linemen. Uh, Their best signing of this offseason is Johnny freaking Hecker, the punter out (laughs) of that came from the Rams. Who I think would be a better quarterback than Sam Darnold. Yeah, they haven't, and they haven't, he has currently has the best QBR of any person on the players, uh, Panthers roster right now. I believe it, I believe it, yeah. But. they got they got thirty million in, in cap space that they can fill up right now, and they're not going to re-sign Stephon Gilmore either, which is a dumb thing to do. But here we are. Here we are. You think the Panthers are setting up for firing Matt Rule after this season? Clemson has a bad year, forcing Dabo Sweeney to the NFL. <sighs> I don't know, because that was rumored last year. You're a big. Year. You're a big. Conspiracy guy, but I, I Chris likes these big time names making big time moves. The thing kind of is, stuff. if you look at Dabo and the way he likes college football to be, plus you got to give the NFL a try. You're a top tier coach. You, at one some point in your life, you got to give it a try. Saban did it. We saw Urban Meyer just did it. You may as well give it a go. <laughs> Ryan you, Day's gonna do it. You probably. can't do any worse than, than Harbaugh. Yeah, Harbaugh did it. Yeah. I mean, you gotta, you just gotta give it a go. I mean, maybe you're the first college coach that does succeed in the NFL at a high level. I mean, the Harbaugh's made it to a Super Bowl, but Harbaugh's not a good college coach either. <laughs> true He's that. average. But better than most. I don't know. I just think uh whew. I think Harbaugh's gone after this year. I don't or a year or two. I don't think he's there. Well, I think he I think he's kind of locked in now there too. I know he signed that deal, but, yeah, but he ain't going to last. He teased some like Minnesota Vikings and whatnot and decided I don't know if he decided to come back to Michigan or not, but that's what's happening regardless. I mean, and at this point you're having to lock in these college coaches for long periods of time. I mean, Mel Tucker just signed like a 10-year deal. James Franklin has been signing 10-year deals and stuff like that. I mean, these aren't necessarily the cream of the crop in well, college Michigan football. Well, Michigan State gets a taste of success. They're going to wrap around their that coach as long as they can. Look what they did with Mark D'Antonio. That dude was there forever. I mean, He brought him some success. Yeah, uh, over the span of 30 years. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. I think uh, – Dabo's a good guy to build a culture. It's kind of what they need there in Carolina. Someone that they can they, actually they get need, behind. They need something to be identified by. Yeah. They have they have no you know crazy culture, no star players besides McCaffrey and DJ Moore, I guess. And their defense is young. I'll give them that. But you know, there's just nothing built there that I feel like is very attractive for for anybody. I mean, you got you got an impressive owner. You got a quarterback situation that is not going to move on. Their coach is going to change pretty much guaranteed in the next year or so. So I don't know. But we're going to go into a quick break. When we get back, we got some more stuff on this draft and more stuff on these quarterbacks coming in and teams who are looking for quarterbacks. So stay tuned for that. Check us out on social media at OffTheBenchXLR on Instagram to check out quotes, video clips, and more from the show. Again, that is at OffTheBenchXLR. Listen to one song. We'll be back with some more draft talk. And we are back here on Off the Bench. My name is Hayden Joyner, joined with Chris Fortenberry and Liam Worley. The NFL draft is full of quarterbacks that uh, we're not super high on. No one's really high on, and it's going to be an interesting draft to see just where they fall and what teams they fall, even just like how early they fall. You know, if there's a top 10 aspect to it or if it's all going to be maybe one first rounder and a bunch of third rounders, we don't really see. What is known is that there's still a lot of teams in the NFL who are quarterback hungry, whether it's a team to trade for a quarterback like Baker Mayfield 
or Jimmy Garoppolo, like we were saying earlier, or to draft one of these quarterbacks in the later rounds and develop them behind their starter. But um, who do we feel like like right now these teams in the NFL? I mean, we talk about the Panthers a ton, and obviously they're in a very dire situation come their head coaching and ownership and all that. But other teams looking for quarterbacks right now and, and some of these free agent quarterbacks, where are we expecting people to go? Uh, I would probably say the Seahawks is definitely one that uh that could pick somebody because they got Drew Locke and Geno Smith. I mean, those aren't really people that are, you know, you could line up a team behind. Uh, I was going to say the Giants, but the Giants have freaking six quarterbacks on their roster right now, which is ridiculous. I mean, they for some reason keep wanting to – put Daniel Jones, giving him a chance every year, which yeah. eventually, I mean, he's on like his fourth year now, Yeah, which is already crazy to think about, but, you know, he's going he's gonna to get murdered again this year in the NFC East. Yeah, he is. I mean, you could, you could Atlanta, put... Atlanta, maybe? Uh, I mean, they have Mariota, who hasn't played in what, I mean, yeah, I'd say they're on the... I mean... They got Mariota, Josh Rosen, and Felipe Franks, and they probably have enough faith and those three guys to win four ball games. I mean, are they just I think you got to imagine some of these GMs are looking at next year's draft mm-hmm. and are probably like maybe we can afford to take a down year trying to do the best we can this year. We know we're not going to get more than 5 wins. Yeah. So we're going to be in good position to get one of those guys. Uh let's just make the best of what we got. Make sure we can keep the talent next year that we need to see. And uh I guess that's probably their thought process for some of them, at least. I would say Houston. You could might throw in the mix because I know they, they're high on Davis, but you I mean, never know. I, I feel like with Houston and Atlanta, Atlanta they'll give Mariota a year. I mean, he's back up with Las Vegas for a while now, ever since he left uh, Tennessee. But he's undecent in any of those backup roles they give him in in Vegas, and they even they'll throw him in for gadget plays or, or goal line plays all the time, and he'll he'll get some decent decent success out of it. I wouldn't be surprised with Atlanta. I mean, they're so low on playmakers anyway. A quarterback's not really going to change their fate this season, I feel like. So maybe you just roll with Mariota, see what he can do in a role. Maybe Mariota can earn himself some money in the future. Yeah. When uh, Atlanta drafts a quarterback inevitably and they ship him off. But, uh, and you know, they just roll with this and then try to get a, a – they'll get a they'll get a top five pick in the draft next year. I'd believe it with Atlanta and the way they're looking this year. So they'll get someone next year. Houston's only got Davis Mills and Kyle Allen. Neither of those guys really have too much talent. I mean, Davis Mills played all right for his situation last year, but he's not the guy that's going to be able to make the Houstons doing anything. And uh, I would probably just say because of Pittsburgh's situation that they're in right now, they may need to look at somebody eventually, whether it be from, you know, bringing someone in who's already uh, already established or, uh, you know, getting Kenny Pickett, hometown boy, or something like that. Yeah, I would imagine, you know, a team to me that no one's probably talking about that desperately needs a quarterback, not a starter. They desperately need a backup quarterback. Here comes Tampa Bay. No. <laughs> this team desperately needs a, ta- a backup quarterback because I think they're almost like the Eagles when Carson Wentz had that great year. That's Baltimore. Okay. You think about it, Baltimore, if they had, let's say, Jimmy Garoppolo as a backup last year, they'd probably go to the playoffs and do well. Kind of like what Philly did when they ended up winning the Super Bowl. That's with fair. Foles. Yeah. I do admit then that, you know, they have the insider knowledge that Lamar Jackson is as fragile as like every person in history has been saying he's going to be. So do they admit that, I guess? I mean, it doesn't really matter no. in the long run, but 
they might have to like kind of admit that, like, hey, our quarterback's kind of fragile, which, you know, you get you some backup. They should be fine because they were a playoff team this year. They were a number one seed this year. They, they need to build a fortress around uh, Lamar Jackson with their offensive line, and then they need to give him some attack threats, whether it be snipers or machine gunners because Hollywood Brown ain't it. I think that team has got all the pieces just about maybe a little bit weak in the receiver core. But if you look at it, they desperately needed a backup quarterback last year when he got hurt because he missed a lot more time than we kind of all expected. Oh, yeah. And that it cost him the playoffs. They didn't make it. A team that needs a good backup quarterback, too, would be uh, that team in Arrowhead Stadium, the Kansas City Chiefs. It's Chad Henney is not it. It, well, was, he... it was enlightening <laughs> to see him uh, try to play yeah. a little bit last year, but... By God, I wouldn't want to have to rely on him for any stretch of time. Fortunately, Mahomes has been pretty well, you know, kept together. Yeah, East wise, yeah. he hasn't really had any major. He injuries. hasn't been broken. Right, and that's good. Yeah, that's good to see. You don't want anybody to get hurt, and especially a talent like that. Um, I think oof, things are gonna be different though this year when you can't yeah. just throw it up to Tyreek. Yeah, you can't say F it, Tyreek down there somewhere. Yeah, you're gonna, he's going to hold on the ball for maybe a second longer than yeah. he would have with Tyreek, and he yeah. could get hurt. He's so going to we'll have to look like Texas A&M Johnny Manziel if he mm-hmm. wants any prolonged yeah. success. I'll throw another team out there that I feel like is kind of a dark horse for one of these quarterbacks in the draft, and that's Indianapolis. You know, they just get Matt Ryan as, as the backup, but then behind him – Jake Fromm, baby. Jake Fromm, who did awful last year behind an already awful pretty much Carson Wentz for most of that season. And you got Matt Ryan out there. You know, he's in the latter stages of his career. He's not going to stay in Indy for, you know, maybe the rest of his career, yes, but not for like a ton more years. So you get a quarterback in the draft, you can develop under him for a couple years. And Matt Ryan, you know, compared to Jared Goff and uh, Sam Darnold as quarterbacks to develop behind, I'd say Matt Ryan's probably one of the better picks in the NFL currently to develop behind as a quarterback. So with the the opportunity to – Ellipse him as a starter. So. I don't know where Jake Crom got lost to, but he is no longer at Indianapolis. Their backup now is Sam Ellinger, who arguably oh, yeah. is worse. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> you know what's funny is I've been seeing like these top landing spots for Jimmy Garoppolo, like for a backup stop spot, and Jackson was on that list. And I have to think to myself, why would you waste a time trying to get a backup quarterback when mm-hmm. you got to address every other position? True. On the field. Yeah. Like. We got to get receivers still. Uh, oh, Jake Fromm was never even in Indianapolis. Was he on Buffalo? Yes, he at one was. Point? He was on Indianapolis. I remember him last year. I'm telling you, I'm looking at it. Who was their other quarterback last was year? Was it Jacob Eason? Oh, mm, that might have been it. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's on the Giants now, Jake Fromm is, which is terrible, too. So. Jacob Eason, Jake Fromm, they're both very similar. They both went to Georgia. They're both. Garb. Yeah, they blend Garb. together. Perfect yeah. word for it. What about New Orleans for a quarterback destination? Because nah. currently they're running with famous Jameis. They got, yeah, they got Jameis Winston. Shout out Derek Bunce, and then they got Andy Dalton. And They'll I mean, be fine. those are I forgot, two. I forgot the pickup of Andy Dalton. Yeah, they, they're two established guys, but it's kind of you know one of those situations where I wouldn't want to have to you know lean on either one of those for a long period of time either. They're going to have a better season, I think, than people think. Because I think Jameis works very hard, and he'll probably want to have a comeback. Yeah, he's just year. got to not want to throw it to the other team. I mean, they were winning games when he was there without their elite Michael Thomas threat, maybe. 
Hopefully he's back <laughs> healthy. And hopefully Camaro's even going to play. We don't even know about that situation yet. We don't know anything that's going on in New Orleans but at the moment. But they got a lot moment. of good pieces. Yeah, but they're never all together. So we don't we don't get to see him on field, and a lot of them have off field problems. Yeah, they might sign Taron Matthew too, bring him back to his home state of Louisiana. And that would so. be that would be good. They did just lose Michael Malcolm Jenkins to retirement, so I would imagine they'll try and replace him with an all pro guy like Tyron Matthew. So yeah, I don't know. The Saints, I feel like the Saints is a decent spot, and I I really can't see them sticking with Jameis Winston or any of those guys for you know a longer time. I feel like you gotta you know Jameis Winston was always like that quarterback that bridges your gap between Drew Brees and whoever you get for your future. They can't stick with him forever. And it's interesting also, you know, how good the Saints are going to be this year. I trust that organization a ton. and They're, they're going to find success. It's kind of the same as like Pittsburgh and the AFC. Like they're going to be successful. They're going to be competitive no matter what kind of skill set they have as, as their players. But no more Sean Payton, obviously retired in the offseason. They promoted Dennis, uh, Dennis Allen as their, uh, or their new head coach. And he's replacing Sean Payton, the winningest, winningest coach in Saints history. So, how successful they're going to be under this new regime, we don't know yet, but I don't know. I expect the Saints to be competitive, and if they try to get a quarterback, whether in the draft or you try to get Garoppolo or something, I feel like they're more of the dark horse guys compared to some other teams looking for quarterbacks, but I wouldn't be surprised if they get one just to, you know, maybe fight for some stuff, but, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be hard for them to, like, rebound somewhat this year. I mean, like you said, they got some of the right pieces, but you got to put those pieces together in the right way. You can't just let them be scattered around the table. You got to, and they don't have their mastermind or their poster boy anymore. So both of those things being gone, it's kind of going to be hard to rebound on I that. See, I think this year is probably a huge year. Like if if the Saints don't perform, it's officially clean house, start over. You're they're going to lose Michael Thomas, Marshawn Lattimore, Alvin Kamara. All those guys they're gonna have to get rid of, get rid of all that money, mm-hmm. bring it back, start over, refresh. They're getting rid of Jameis, uh, probably Taysom. Just get rid of them all, get rid of that money, and then start over, clean slate. That's probably what they're gonna have to do. You yeah, know? I mean, I mean, we we've been talking about all these quarterbacks in the draft this year and all these free agents this year for quarterback hungry teams, but like you were just saying, next year. There's going to be so many teams needing a quarterback, or potentially are going to be moving off of their current quarterback. Uh, I feel like this quarterback carousel stuff is just going to reiterate all over again. I mean, it's been happening in the NFL really, re- really a lot recently. I mean, next year you look, the Dolphins could be looking for a quarterback if Tua doesn't perform. Like we said, the Giants with uh, Daniel Jones, the Saints with with Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton. If I think looking. next year will be even more significant than it was this year. Yeah. We had we had a crazy off season this year with Russell Wilson, Tom Brady doing his things. Baker Mayfield, Deshaun Watson, stuff like that. I think where it's going to be even more extreme next year. Yeah, I mean, I can you can name one team, some two, a division that will need a quarterback next year, or is going to be thinking about getting a new quarterback. Um, Washington, uh, you know, if Carson Wentz doesn't work out, that experiment doesn't work out. The Eagles may be looking to trade Jalen Hurts if that doesn't work out more uh, after, in, during his uh, his next season. Daniel Jones is most likely going to be out. Who knows what's going to happen with Jared Goff? Will Chicago stick with Justin Fields, or are they going to try to trade him or something? I'd say he's one of the more safe bets, but you never know. Kirk Cousins in Minneapolis, who knows how that one's going to fall out. The Saints, like I said, um, you know, 49ers are going to get rid of Jimmy you got Trey Lance coming in. They'll stick with him for a while, but you never know how that's going to happen and perform. And then, you know, the Texans obviously are going to fall, you know, just to a crap shoot. How about the Titans? You know, how long can you keep Ryan Tannehill and pretend that he's something he's not? <laughs> that's Probably very true. Probably not one. much longer. 
the Steelers, you know, the Mr. Bisky experiment works out. Who knows how that's going to fall out? And, uh, you know, the Jets with the whatever his name is, Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, yeah. There's a, I mean, there's, I mean, those are rookies, and the rookies might stay for a little bit longer, like like I was saying with Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. They might stay for a little longer, but players like Tua and Daniel Jones, those guys are going to be, you know, they're going to be the hot commodities next year when it comes to teams that might cut their quarterbacks. It'll be a it'll be a scary offseason as a quarterback next year, I feel like. And then, I mean, for the draft, I mean, y'all are more experts. Who are we looking at coming out of college next year? Like, who's available next year? Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, those are your top two. two. Those, those, are, those, those two. are the top two right there. That's but, picks one and two right there. Yes, you believe so? Yeah, 100%. yeah. No, that's definitely the first two picks. All right. I mean, we were coming into this this, uh, this last season saying like Spencer Rattler was going to be one of the top quarterback picks. And then we yeah, yeah. That these guys are things. these guys could play in the NFL right now. Yeah, and I, I mean, you know, if Sam Howell would have went in the draft this past year, he was expected to be like a top ten, top fifteen pick, and you know, he's going to land freaking third round yeah, probably he, he at himself, best. Yeah. So, you know, it's. I mean, that happens, and it's going to happen to Spencer Rattler, too. I mean, there's going to be more guys that, like, light up, too, that glow up more so than these other guys. I'll tell you who a guy who isn't getting enough respect put on his name. Mm -hmm. It's that zappy kid from Western Kentucky. That guy can hurl a football. <laughs> How about the Coastal Carolina kid? I'm being serious. I, I really think well, Zappy's it, I know, decent. I've, I heard about him. He did some crazy stuff down there in, uh, or up there in Western Kentucky. I don't know. He what, did. Yeah. He set. A, he set. He was setting like, like set touchdown records. records or passing records. Yeah, yeah he beat. Just, he beat some of Joe Burrow's numbers from Joe yeah, Burrow's season. Yeah, he threw like six some touchdowns. Still, who is he playing for? What, yeah. What competition? Yeah, but he nobody, nobody would have thought Joe Burrow would have done that. I mean, I would have thought it'd taken years to break records like that. But, yeah, but. Braden freaking Zappy, a kid from Western Kentucky, I, it's like. I don't know. It's probably like some Canadian football crap. But well, it's going to be we a common trend now with, you know, we have guy five-star recruits going to Jackson State. You know, you're going to see guys. Yeah, those aren't even scores. counted as records anymore, or at least for that team, because they're in a whole different division sanctioned yeah. by some other people. So it doesn't matter, <laughs> at least in that case. But, you know, with the portal, with these guys wanting playing time, you're gonna see some guys light it up in these lesser teams. I mean, I'm with Liam here. I mean, who wouldn't want, uh, you know, Bailey Zappi, almost six thousand yards, sixty-two touchdowns one season. That's dude. You draft him fifth round plus, Bing Bang Boom. That's what I call a value pick. That's like getting the Wendy's four for four. Well, I mean, do we? I mean, Case Keenum put up crazy numbers when he was at Houston, right? And Case Keenum went to an NFC Championship game with the Vikings. Yeah, Case Keenum. He, Case Keenum had his chance. <laughs> He he ruined it. Let's not say anybody's Case Keenum yet. You got to give some of these boys a chance to play well. I mean, Tom Brady was drafted sixth round. I'm not saying Zappy's going to be Brady, but if you give him a chance for a game or two, you never know. He That's, may you know, he may make his team better. The biggest thing that I have a problem with in the NFL is these organizations drafting these quarterbacks and breathing down the, having bringing guys in to breathe down their necks mm -hmm. and tell them, listen, you mess up one time, you're gone. How how in the world can you expect a quarterback to succeed if he messes up one time, he's gone? I mean, Peyton Manning played a full season through, what, 28 interceptions? Oh, yeah. Did they pull him? No, no. I mean, that, that's and a very big thing, famer, yeah. It was you know? a, that was a different era, Look though, at this. too. Tony Romo played how many seasons for Dallas, and what did he bring <laughs> them? What what award can you say Tony Romo did for Dallas? And he started <laughs> I'm letting him. <laughs> this is his battle, not mine. <laughs> He got in the MVP conversation a couple times. We got one playoff one out of it, so that's not awful. Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo's the better in Eastern Illinois quarterback. Yes, that's mean, for dang sure. How many years did Romo start for Dallas? Uh, 
25 at least. 10. And in those 10 years. Half a century. What did he bring bring y'all? The playoff win a couple MVP nods. But he was it. he was never considered, oh, Tony's not going to be the starter this year. It's no, someone's no. going to take exactly. You got to give these guys, you got to put them in there. Well, he he had belief. he had the the golden stamp of approval from Mr. Jerry Jones. So, you know, he wasn't going anywhere until ultimately the the injury just kept coming and then Tony Romo was a better had a better chance at going pro in golf than he did at <laughs> continuing to play some good football. Well, he has he has a better chance of making the Hall of Fame as a commentator now than a player. Yeah, so. yeah no, for sure. He's, He's a dang been, good commentator. You want to know another guy who's on his track to be Tony Romo? And what? Football. Okay, what? Derek Carr. As just like the quarterback that's good but underrated? No, as the quarterback who's overrated. Played, played for the, starting this ah. many years and not bringing anything to the organization. What is Very he, true. What has he won for... Or the Raiders since he's been. I don't know if he's won a playoff game. I know they made the playoffs in 2016. That's the only, or they made it this past year. They made it this past year. Those were the only two times, I believe, in his career. Mm -hmm. And he didn't win either because he broke his leg in 2016. And then this year we saw what happened. Yeah. I mean, the fact, the thing that I'm looking at here is you got these guys who ain't done nothing, but the organizations at least show belief in them and they can actually scrounge up, you know, that's because they just show a little bit of light to the team. They give that. Tiny little bit of hope that the Cowboys fans cling on to. They see at the end of the tunnel somewhere, and they don't know where it goes in some of these seasons. It's a sad like, life, and all you need is a little bit of hope, and that makes you happy. You look at <laughs> – I'll, I'll go ahead. Bortles was given more of a chance and than Dwayne Haskins was yeah. at Washington. And the reason he may have ended up where he was is because of that, is because of how they handled the situation. And it's terrible. It's it's awful. Daniel Jones is continuing to start for the Giants, and we all know he's garbage. Blake, it's what we're seeing, gonna see with Sam Darnold. Um, but Blake Bortles, he he could beat some of these quarterbacks in the NFL now. Yeah. Honestly, the, the so, sad thing is that he doesn't have a job, and Darnold has a job right now. So, Chris, are you are you advocating for the fact that teams shouldn't like throw a rookie or a, another backup behind a quarterback just to pressure him into playing? No, there? he was saying that they don't need people breathing down these. Yeah. Quarterback, young people's yeah. necks. You're making it to where, okay, if I don't get in there and produce a 10 and 6 or okay, 11 I got and 6 you, I got season, you, yeah. I'm going to lose my job mm -hmm. with, it, with no talent, with nothing around me. I gotta, I'm running for my life with this terrible offensive line. Literally running for their lives. And the fans want me to bring wins, and the coaches are expecting the same. Like, what? Yeah. It's like, you can't give me one 78 overall receiver, a no-name offensive line, in a trash defense and expect me to win football yeah, games. Yeah, they're just scapegoats at this well, and the, point. And the problem with that is you see all the stories all the time, like like the most recent Joe Burrow with, with the Bengals. He comes into an awful situation, performs above average than what the team was expecting his, his, his rookie year, and then takes him to the Super Bowl in his second year. People see that, and they're like, why can't the quarterback we draft be like that immediately? You know, Joe Burrow inherited an awful Bengals team, and that team was greatly better than what they were before with Andy Dalton. That's just because he pushes more P than anybody else. <laughs> that's that's an aspect. But then, I mean, you will give Bengal, the Bengals the credit. They did have some quality players um, uh, his rookie year. You know, he had, he had good receivers. You had a defense that was young. It had some promise, but it wasn't entirely good. Their offensive line was obviously dog crap. We all knew that. But people see what Burrow was able to do that, that his, his, his first year and then take his team to the Super Bowl in the second year, and they're like, why can't we do that? That's why some teams are getting shipped off. So this whole philosophy in the NFL that – there's only a handful of guys that can win you a Super Bowl. There's only maybe, if you're really stretching the limits, 
eight to 10 quarterbacks that are Super Bowl caliber quarterbacks in the NFL right now. And what teams have realized is that if they don't draft that, that quarterback, they don't draft him. And after the first two years there, you can kind of realize this quarterback doesn't have what it's take to get us to that next step. You just cut loose and you try again the next year. The Cardinals did it. And I always reference the Cardinals what they did with Josh Rosen and Kyler Murray. They, they weren't going to sit and develop Josh Rosen for three years to see what he was going to become. They were going to be like, hey, dude, you threw 30 interceptions your rookie year. That's exaggerating. But Maybe not. I don't remember the numbers, <laughs> but actually, pretend you never know. You threw 30, 20 picks. You obviously don't have what it, what it takes because, you know, you compare you to Burrow, he didn't do that in his rookie year. Even as a rookie with a bad team, he did decent, and he's obviously a Super Bowl caliber quarterback now. If you don't do it in your rookie year or your second or your sophomore year, you know, teams can recognize that. And they're just like, why waste our time trying to develop you into nothing when we can just, you know, throw you overboard and get somebody else? You know, when I look back on something, I think have I, I see Dallas. They made a decision in the draft. What was it? The twenty? When, what draft do you get? Dak and Zeke. Sixteen. Sixteen. They made a mistake in 2016. Yeah, and not drafting Jalen Ramsey. No. You made a mistake by drafting Dak Prescott. I think Oh God. You, you could have drafted what's funny. <laughs> Just this this way you're going. I think Dak's Dak's a lot better than the average quarterback in the NFL. Uh, uh, no, I think Chris finished. I'm l- yeah. looking at it this way. Dak is essentially any quarterback who has a decent bit of talent. Is, could have done the exact same or better than Dak has done up to this point. And I say that because Dak was thrown into a system that was meant for a quarterback to be successful. Yeah. He had an elite offensive line when he came into the league. He had a free job because Roma was hurt. Uh-huh. He had receivers who were already established, and he had a great running back to go alongside of him, and a defense that was good enough to win football games. So yes. what I'm saying here is that they could have literally drafted any quarterback with a pulse at that time, <laughs> and he would have brought they would have brought the exact same results that you got with Dak Prescott. Yeah, so but the, if you remember that draft class in 2016, the quarterbacks in that draft class, number one, number two, were Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. They're the only two I'd argue that might have had a shot of doing the same thing Dak did. There's one year. more that I I would say, but everyone would call me biased. I, I can't. Re- I know it's a who. Who was Just it? Just look who was drafted in the fifth round. To the Chargers. Or Bills. May have been the Bills. Sorry. Bills. I don't know. 2016 QBs drafted. All I was going to hit out is that Paxton Lynch was a guy in the third round we were going to take. You cap. No, I promise you. Cardale Jones couldn't have done that. He 100% could. He had just as good of an arm. He played three football games for Ohio State. And what did he do in those games? I mean, he played good. But What, What does he have that Dak Prescott doesn't have? Dak National Pres- Championship ring. Yeah, Dak Prescott right. got Alabama. A bunch Who Dak more Prescott money. Didn't do that year. That's fine. I'm saying he he could have arguably done the same no. thing. That is yes, very biased of you to say. That's extremely that's, no, because it's all in the system you go to. This it's all 100 percent the system you go to. You're turning you're turning me back no, to what I was I'm saying the other you, week. You're I'm not most biased son of gun. But I'm, I'm saying. That would have been a, a pick who he could have produced the same results that Dak Prescott did because Dak Prescott wasn't a great college quarterback. He wasn't. He was, he was not. pretty good. Pretty good, exactly. He was pretty he good. Led the, he was led the Bulldogs the number one overall ranking for a couple of weeks. And they and ended up doing nothing the rest of the season. But that's, Dak was average that was, in college. That was like the best Mississippi State football he, year ever. What round did he get picked in? The fourth? Yeah. Exactly. You're not a good quarterback if you get picked in the fourth that's round. That's too higher than Brady. Yeah. <laughs> Brady is a product of the system. I'm saying Dak Prescott and Tom Brady are products of the system that they went to. 
Yeah. The only reason that they are successful is because they got drafted by the right team at the right time. But I'd make the argument here, the system Dak was drafted into is completely different than the system he's running now in Dallas, which is like, it's completely opposite into right. the spectrum. But his confidence and he's still was, successful now. His confidence was built up enough to where he can succeed on his own. Like Brady. Brady could go anywhere at any point of his career after his confidence was built up. He could have gone anywhere and succeeded because he got to a point where he could do it on his own. I think he eats enough Campbell's soup to be fine. No, yeah. I think... If Dak gets drafted by thirty any of the other thirty-one teams, he's not even talked about right now. He's not even a starter. I mean, y- yes, he's a good example of you know you get into a good system and then they gave him you know they didn't they weren't going to jump ship with him, but they didn't have to. He played phenomenal his rookie year, and yeah, it's a product of the system. But arguably the same was Patrick Mahomes got into a good system exactly the as re- a quarterback. You look and no one's saying that he's a quarterback that would have been forgotten about if he was drafted by the Texans instead. The quarterback ninety percent of the quarterbacks that make it. Is because they go right system, right time. Yeah, that's true. I mean, but that's just that's you just have luck. your you have your rare guys who make it out because of their talent. Burrow, I don't, I can't say he went to a great system. I just think he's a great quarterback. He would succeed anywhere. Yeah, I mean, but, great quarterbacks. You can be a good quarterback coming out of college and go into a good system and do good. That's, I mean, that's straight up luck if you get it that way. Usually, it's because the good team you're drafted to had a quarterback that you know maybe got hurt the previous year and it got them a high draft pick. That's what Dallas pretty much had to do to get uh, when we got Zeke that year and then. You know, if, if Dak was, he fell in the fourth round for us. But he comes out into a good situation. He goes 13-3 his rookie year. And if it wasn't for Aaron Rodgers throwing one of the best passes this decade to win that playoff game in Dallas, he was going to an NFC Championship game in his rookie year, leading Dallas to their first ever NFC Championship game in 25 years at the time. So I wouldn't say Dak had a phenomenal year. And yes, it was a product of a situation, but... That Cowboys team's completely different than it is now. Dak Prescott's leading that system he has now, and he did a phenomenal job this past year. Did he? Really? What What did y'all end up doing? Phenomenal, like, regular season. Yes, we but, fell out but, in the playoffs. But, but regular season, what does it matter? Did Aaron Rodgers have a good season last year? I mean, he had an okay season. Yeah, he but he made, it, he made it further than Dak. Yeah, just because of their because he they, he he finished one game better than Dallas in the record, and they got number one overall seed. I would say it's the only reason. I would say if you look at it. Jimmy Garoppolo did better last year than Dak. In the regular season, no. In the playoffs, yes. Because that I don't care what a guy does as long as if he gets to the playoffs and wins, then that's all that matters. He could throw for two thousand five hundred yards. If he gets to the playoffs and wins, what does it matter? Yeah, but I, the 49ers had a great season last year. But I wouldn't say Jimmy Garoppolo was the reason they were winning those playoff games. I mean, you look at you look at the the uh, the Forty Nineers and, and Packers game in the, in the snow. That definitely wasn't Jimmy Garoppolo's fault. That was the defense and special teams for the reason they won that game. I mean. The thing that scares me about Dak is he hasn't done. He has had great teams up to this point and hasn't won anything with them. There's, I mean, there's an issue. How, Liam, how have we done this on this topic in the first place? I, I think it's remember. something worth talking about, though. No, I, it is, and I mean, Dak will be our quarterback for next year. He'll be our quarterback for a while until that contract, whenever it ends, in 2025, maybe eight at this point. And he's just Tony Romo 2.0. He's not that bad. He, I'm not saying he's bad. I'm just saying he can't win. I'm not saying quarter, quarterbacks aren't bad. Some just can't win. Tony Romo was bad. He was an no. average quarterback who couldn't win. Give him some credit. I will not. Dallas, when, when in the Tony Romo era, Dallas had one of the worst defenses in the NFL. And we had a, we've had a bad defense for Dak his entire career here, except for last year. And then the one little spurt of about seven games in 2018. That was the only time, or 2019. That was the only times we had a good defense with Dak. We have an improved defense now. It's going to get better again since we got Dan Quinn back next year. We'll see what Dak does next year. Obviously, we just lost tons of offensive weapons with Cedric Wilson, Amari Cooper, and a lot of our wide receiver depth. So now we're walking with CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, and whoever else we pick up in the draft potentially. 
we'll see what he does next year. The issues for da- for Dallas last year was just novice play calling. We didn't do it good down the stretch. Offensive lines faltering up and not giving us time to throw. That was what happened last year. It happens to teams. The best teams don't always make the Super Bowl. It's usually the time. It usually happens, but it doesn't always happen. We obviously saw Tom Brady fall to the Rams. We saw Dak fall early, and we saw the Packers fall in their first game of the playoffs as well. It happens. Dak will get his time. We'll just see when it wins. And I don't know if he, I mean, I've not said he's ever like top five in the league ever. He's top 10. But like I said earlier, when there's about 10 players, a fringe, a fringe 10 that can win a Super Bowl, I feel like Dak's in the eight, nine, 10 range right there. So as a Dallas Cowboys fan, do you honestly believe in his entire career at Dallas, he can win you all Super Bowl? I, I believe he has, a, he has the capabilities of getting us there. Yeah. Okay. That's all I need to hear. Nothing wrong with that. I'm, <laughs> I'm fine with that. I just wanted to hear your opinion. That's all. Uh-huh. What do you have, Mr. Worley? I don't have nothing. Uh, I'm trying to stay out of it best I can. That way I don't start yelling or anything. Uh, well, I wasn't prepared for a Dak debate today, but uh, I definitely can pick. I can put Chris's little quote of uh, Dak. Uh, what was it? Dallas made a mistake drafting Dak Prescott. <laughs> I didn't say you made a mistake. <laughs> I, well, you I, did. I, I did say that. But at the, same, <laughs> at the same time, I feel like you picked a guy who is is just, like I said, a product of a good a good team and system he was put into. I mean, that's why he seems better than he is. I'm grateful every day we da- drafted Dak. Because oh, if not, if not, Tony Romo, we'll, we'll, let's still say he retires at the end of that year anyway, because he was still hurt. Because then we're, we're getting Cardell Jones or Paxton Lynch or Brandon Allen, Jeff Driscoll. Those were the guys drafted after Dak. Connor Cook. I don't want any of those Even guys. Even if those guys don't work out, who do you have the potential of getting afterwards? Josh Allen. Kyler. Guys yeah, like that. Then you, you, who are th- better than Dak? If you throw that argument. <laughs> They're you, better than Dak. Say it in the microphone, Chris. They are better than Josh. If Josh Allen was on Dallas, my God, he's probably have three rings yes, on him right now. he's better than Dak. But that's you can't make that argument. It's like, oh, if if the Rams hadn't, or, uh, you know, if oh, if the Texans hadn't drafted Deshaun Watson, they could have had Josh Allen next year. No, but it's, it's sad to me who because can- Dallas is, they hang on to guys who cannot win, and that is the reason they don't get Super Bowls. Like, you could have had... You could have probably had better talent, and you don't. You can also argue to that 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 is their system. Yeah, but you you know what's sad is they're struggling to make like to get this team and build it up in yeah. the, one of the worst divisions in the NFL. Like this is truly an awful. Well, division. the division is our issue. We we sweep the division almost every year. Anyway, no, because there's always a new winner every year. Like you said, you no one can repeat. If Dallas yeah, but, can't repeat in that division, that's sad. That's fair. That's just a net, that's a numbers thing. We'll, we'll, we finish four and two or better in the division every year. It's just a matter of do we beat the teams outside our division, which usually is something we can't do. You know, the Eagles or the Giants will probably win it next year just because of the stupid curse that's happened with the NFC East. I don't know. But I will say, in the over since Dak's, we've won it pr- over half the time since Dak's been as a quarterback. We won it 2016, 2018. Uh, and then we went 2021. I can't remember. We won it last year, obviously. Yeah, we won it at least three of the four, three of the six years. So. I, I, I just I don't know. I just it blows my mind because I want Dallas to succeed. I truly do, but I just don't think it's gonna happen. It doesn't sound like you really do. I do. I like <laughs> Dallas. But behind Jacksonville, Dallas is my second favorite team. No, I mean well, it, no, then you got Bengals and then Dallas. I've said this forever and I'll say it again. We won't win anything unless we have a magical season or Jerry Jones croaks. That's the only way we're winning anything from now on because his ownership, granted, he's not an awful owner. There's definitely worse, but there's definitely better. We all won Super Bowls under Jerry. No, we won Super Bowls under Jimmy Johnson's system with Jerry at at the helm. Once we lost Jimmy Johnson's system, that's when everything started going bad for us. That's fair too. Well, I mean, I I I don't want to get into it, 
But I don't know. I just feel like Dallas could do things differently, but they just don't. They just choose not to. Mm -hmm. I wish they would. I think it could be that we're looking at the end of an era. I think this is the last year that Zeke's going to be there. I feel like. I hope so. They're probably going to have to move on from all these older guys. Nah, well, I mean, how how long are you going to hold on to Vander Esch? He surely is not going to be. No, he'll be. Go, I'm surprised we even have him this year. I'm surprised he got resigned. But we'll lose McCarthy. We'll lose Zeke next year, and then we'll just get younger and we'll see what happens. I don't know. I I think Dak has the qualities to take us to a Super Bowl, and then if he does or doesn't, it's whatever. He. I mean, people are already dubbing him as the next Romo, with you know, like Derek Carr, like you said. It's just a matter of, you know, can he get into the playoffs and be successful? And, I mean, football's a team sport. It's not always on the quarterback. There's some teams that quarterback can lead them through the whole thing. You know, we saw Joe Burrow do it this past year. And Dak has the the chance to. And I thought we could have gone pretty far in the playoffs last year. I thought we could have beat the Buccaneers or the Rams or the Packers if we had played them. It was just the 49ers were a team that we got lined up with, which as soon as we got scheduled to play them as a three and a six, you know, we knew that was going to be a tough game. Everyone knew the 49ers were the team you didn't want to want to face in the NFC in the playoffs because they were just a hot team, and we and they were just a unique offensive team. And we saw why when they went all the way to the NFC Championship game and were a field goal away from making the Super Bowl. So they were a dangerous team. That's just kind of how the cards fell, and this was a team, yes, that was our best probably since Dak had been there, and it's going to be worse next year, but I feel like uh, the NFC is worse anyway. So we're kind of in the same spot as we were last year being probably the third best team in the NFC but yeah I mean I, I got you and I just look at it like when if you look at Dallas and you like say oh if Dallas had to play Kansas City or Buffalo or Cincinnati or anything I would slaughterhouse yeah, I'm thinking oh my gosh this is gonna be bad I'd like, feel a lot better playing Kansas City this year than I did last year yeah so. that's well, fair. y'all played them last year didn't y'all lose in the regular season to them yeah it was it was a it was like 19 to 16 or something it was a really weird game. Y'all started out fine last year. Y'all just weren't able to. No, down it. down the stretch we had some coaching missteps, and I'd have to I have to get, dig into my vault of notes and stuff to well, figure out what happened. Regardless there. of if Zeke plays or not, please give your running back at least fifteen carries. Because yeah. every time y'all do that with a running back, you won the game. If you look at all the stats last year, as long as your running back had fifteen carries, you won the game. That's a famous stat, and I told you in that group chat why that was, but you must have not have read it. I, I did read it, and it's not not every one of those games because it was like it was like ten. That's the same. There's 10 a, or 12 there's minutes. also a famous stat that's like oh like ninety percent of teams that score a defensive touchdown win the game, and it's like oh maybe it's because you were just dominating and you get a, a desperate pick six. It's the same kind of stat. Oh, of course, if you have a bunch of carries, you win because if you're winning, you're going to run the ball more because you're up. It's the same kind of system. I'm, I'm just saying when Dallas was winning Super Bowls. They were running the ball predominantly. It's like, oh, like like 80% of teams that make an onside kick in a game lose, probably because they're doing that because they're losing. It's the same kind of stat. When Dallas won, but you can admit, when Dallas won Super Bowls, what was the focal point, key point of your offense? I wasn't alive then. Emmett Smith, am I right? Yes. Leading, but also all-time leader in rushing yards. Yeah, we were also throwing with, with Troy Aikman and, and Michael Irvin and all them. But Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin are top tier Hall of Famers, aren't they? Yeah, but uh, you football culture changes over time too. Oh, I get that. It's football, more of a passing game than it ever yeah, was. Yeah, football. Now. Yeah, exactly. Football is changing more and more. You can't hand it off to Zeke or Pollard thirty times a game and expect them to go yard. The team they lost to surely took advantage of the run, didn't they? Who? San Fran, they run with their wide receivers. Yeah, but that's because Debo Samuel can. He's one of those guys that's very few and far in between CD that can Lamb do all sorts of stuff. No, we we literally think. we said that like all the fans said that after the game. I was like, why can't CD do the same thing that uh that's what that I'm Debo's saying. doing? But he can't now. He's number one. We can't risk that. But uh, 
don't know. We'll see Debo's their number one. They risk it. I guess that's true. Yeah, they got yeah, Brandon Ayuk as their wide receiver, too. That's a good point. But anyway, we'll go into a break. When we get back, me and Liam got some motorsports to talk about for the last 10-ish minutes of the show, so we'll get there. Uh, stay tuned for next week. we got a lot more... Uh, we get a lot more draft talk. Kind of fell away from that a little bit, but uh, we didn't really fall away with it. I mean, it's kind of on the trajectory <laughs> yeah. to where we usually go. It's but, very true. Yeah. There's not much to talk about with the draft. Yeah, the, this yeah. was a more interesting quarterback talk than <laughs> we could have done with the draft pick. Yeah, when in doubt, just leave it to roasting Dallas, and you know we'll, we'll get to 30 minutes out. Not of Not even that. Just speculation. Anyway. We'll go into a quick song break. When we get back, me and Liam got some uh, some NFL or some motorsports talk, Bristol Dirt, Australian Grand Prix review, and other stuff. So stay tuned for that. And uh, listen to one song, and we'll be back after that. And we are back here on Off the Bench. My name is Hayden Joyner, joined with Chris Fortenberry and Liam Worley, as always. And uh, it's motorsports time, Liam. Woohoo! It was a fun weekend in NASCAR, fun weekend in F1. It wasn't and, uh, a fun weekend in NASCAR. Great, uh, yes, you you spoke from my It behalf. wasn't really a fun weekend in F1, in my opinion, either. Fun as in it happened, and we were there to celebrate it. Maybe the fun was the friends we made along the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> but NASCAR, we'll start with this. Martinsville Speedway this, uh, this past week. William Byron takes the win over Joey Logano and Austin Dillon in third. But uh, next-gen cars on these short tracks didn't provide a lot of entertainment for us. I don't – well – it's part of it's the car. It's not 100% the car. Yeah, I want to get your opinion on that because I know a lot of people were saying it was the car, there's, but also it's just Martinsville anyway. There's three factors I take into accountability of why this race was just garbage. Um, firstly, I'll say the weather. The cold weather doesn't really, I mean, it allows the cars to perform like engine wise, uh-huh. but the tires, there's no tire degradation. I mean, they came in for like three pit stops on a freaking 400 lap race. That's nothing. And the last one really was just for for gas, so they could make it. They yeah. just changed tires because they had tires to give. Uh, and then the main factor, I would say, which I'm putting second, is the tires. Since it was cold, you know, they didn't have a good enough compound on there to rubber up the track at all to make it to where it could have been a two-groove racetrack. Mm-hmm. It was just one groove around the bottom, yeah. running on a rail, And even if you bumped guys, you know, they'd only come up two feet off the bottom because their tires weren't garbage at that point. Mm -hmm. If you had any heat in your tires, you were fine. And then third, I would say it's uh, the gear ratio. They need they need to make it to where they don't have to shift, uh, especially on short tracks. You know, they could just run fourth all the way around because if you're able to shift, you know, if someone gets alongside of you in the corner on the bottom but you're running the outside, you just upshift, uh, you know, as soon as you're getting onto the straightaway, and that gives you enough horsepower to get around them and clear them going into turn three or turn one. So if, uh, you know, if you shorten the gear ratios or lengthen them up, either way, I will lengthen them up. That way, you know, you go back to four gears instead of the five they have now with the sequential shifter, they're fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that what you said about the the two there weren't, there weren't two lanes there was just the one the yeah. one groove down the bottom yeah like last year's the last Martinsville race if you look Denny Hamlin was able to hang with Alex Bowman or around the outside before yeah. you know Bowman ended up falling back he even passed uh, mm-hmm. uh, Bowman and then Bowman you know got into him and all that stuff happened but 
that was just the last race at Martinsville. Yeah. I mean, there's different car, different weather and stuff like that, but still. Yeah, I mean, the ability to have those two lanes was huge. And like you said, with even the bumping, like we saw Logano try to bump out Byron right mm-hmm. at the end, and he literally, the car didn't move like maybe a foot. He drove he drove it super deep into turn one on the last lap mm-hmm. and bumped him, gave him three good bumps. That last year, Byron would have been in the wall. Yeah. But this year, he moved up a foot or two off the bottom groove of the racetrack and was able to upshift and pull away from Logano mm-hmm. so it didn't happen again going into three. And that was it. Yeah, it's the only passes you could really see being made the whole track were just, or the whole race were just, you know, it'd be like a five-lap battle between two guys, just who can get a nose in, who can get a better exit off, mm-hmm. like, turn three or turn two, and then just, or turn four or turn two, and just have that run to maybe get a nose in below to get yeah. the inside line. It's the, the only on- way you could pass. The only pass for the lead happened on pit road. William Byron passed and Chase. That was yeah. it. That was the only pass. Which broke your little heart. It did, because if Chase could have just, stayed in shape and not had to burn up his tires you know fighting for second if he could have pulled away like he did at in stage one and two he'd have been fine but yeah but at least next week we get to go to bristol on the dirt track this time yeah uh, these next gen cars on the dirt should uh perform good bad what do we think i think they're going to perform perform good uh they were trying something last week with the windshield that i was alluding to they were they were going to just take that joker out and put like a like a screen there that way the dirt doesn't hit them but nothing sticks uh, to the windshield. Yeah, and uh, they're they're actually are putting mud flaps on the cars. So that's probably a good thing. It is that way. You know, dirt doesn't sling and hit hit the windshield or whatever they're running this week. And I think yeah. they're bringing a different tire this year too. That way, like a dirt specific tire. Yeah, that because last year they rubbered in the dirt and it just became like a track. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, okay. Are they even worried about dirt hitting fans? Like is that no, it? <laughs> no, no, that's not a mud fine. flat thing. Yeah, no. fans be safe. But that race, I mean, who won it last year? Joey Logano. Logano won and it. Yeah. Truex won the truck race. Yeah, so, so it'll be a fun one again this year. Are yeah. we looking? Uh, I don't know. Bristol dirt's just hilariously fun. Austin Dillon's gonna sweep both the truck race and the cup race. Do you believe so? That's that's my bold take. He's won one yet, has he? No. Yeah. He he won Eldora on in the trucks in 2013 and. I mean, obviously hasn't had much cup success in his time since 2014. He's won three cup races. I'm trying to pull up. Looking at these standings, I'll tell you, I mean, we were talking about a little bit earlier. Chase Elliott leads Ryan Blaney, but this is a, it's a close race up top as well, as always. And uh, we finally had, I mean, William Byron winning in, winning in Martinsville was our first repeat winner of the year. Mm-hmm. There's always, you know, what we've been saying that, you know, half the playoffs are going to be filled up by the summer break or something like that. It's going to be you know, everybody's winning and who knows how long it's going to be able to keep up, but no, there's by the time the playoffs come around, I expect at least 13 different race winners. That's just insane. I feel like I'd, and it could, it could be on the upside of that. It could be 14, 15 or more. And how many play it's playoff spots. What? 16, 16. Yep. Is that an up is that higher than it used to be? No, that's what cups always been always since been they came into this format in 2014. I had 12 in my head. I don't know why, but uh, they had, 12 in the chase format but since uh, the that's playoff format started yeah. yeah maybe that's what i was thinking of but yeah i mean 13 different winners i feel like that's even more than we would get we, that's more than we get in previous seasons right or no yeah most seasons yeah i mean there's probably been i don't think there's like you know once the playoffs start there's been another guy or two that's won races yeah but uh you know, going into the playoffs, I think 12 or 13. I don't know. Maybe last year. There might have been 14 last year. 
Mm. So, <sighs> I mean, just looking at it, I mean, it's just even even like these numbers give me a headache. But Bristol Dirt, it's gonna be a fun one, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. As yes, always. sir. What time is it? Is it a night race? Yeah, it I'm is. Assuming? Seven yeah. o'clock. That'll be a fun one. As yes, always. sir. But uh, we'll jump into F1 Australian Grand Prix to finish up the show here, and uh, what a weekend it was from my side of the of the garage here. Charles Leclerc winning, getting a Grand Slam in F1 for the first time, I think, since Max Verstappen did it last year. And taking a dominant win over there, dominant leading the championship for Leclerc and for first Ferrari. First Ferrari Grand Slam since 2010. It's been a long time. Yes, sir. It's been a long coming for them. But uh, I feel like, I mean, the, the, besides Ferrari being dominant in this race, the biggest storyline was obviously Red Bull and Max Verstappen croaking out the car and having a second DNF in three races. And yeah. You're a little Max fan over there, so I'm sure you're hurting a little bit. But Yeah, I didn't stay up to watch it. I haven't even watched any highlight videos because the race wasn't that great besides, you know, the few incidents. But, yeah. you know, that's just it's just stuff. I mean, you know, they got a new car in Formula 1, too. It'll take time for everybody to get used to it more. And obviously, Ferrari's exploiting, uh, you know, what they were able to accomplish in the offseason, which is good for them. I'm happy to see them you know, back in the top tier of uh, Formula One. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, definitely definitely hurts to see talented drivers kind of get pushed to the wayside because of their car. Yeah, and second DNF in three races for Max. This one wasn't like a huge issue. It was just a fuel leak, apparently, mm-hmm. is what they came out and said was the issue, which isn't major, but it's still something you shouldn't realistically be seeing they, that often. It also could just be something they said instead of, Very true, you yeah. know, attributing it to something bigger. Yeah, but Charles Leclerc now is a 71 points total in, as his uh, his championship total. He leads Max Verstappen, who's all the way down in sixth place now with only 25 points because of his one win in Saudi Arabia. He leads him by, if I can do some quick math, I believe that's 46 points. Um, Max has already come out and said that he thinks he's he needs like 40 races to overcome that No, deficit. yeah, he said he's not worried about the championship at this point, and we're only three races into the season. He just wants He just wants to get the car good. Yeah, I mean, he already thinks he's out of the championship. Red Bull doesn't think that they're out just yet, I think, in general. But Max specifically thinks that he's done. Team championship, maybe not. Driver championship, this happens one more time, and Charles doesn't really falter that much. Yeah. Done. I mean, both of these issues have been fuel-related for Red Bull, which is kind of a cause for concern because Ferrari, one of the big off-season things I saw for them coming out was that this new E10 fuel they're using, Ferrari like hit it out of the park with the way their engine was able to run it, and that's why they've gained so much performance with their engine. Interesting. So Ferrari seemed to be at the high end of using this fuel, whereas Red Bull seems to be at the very low end by having all these issues with the fuel, which is obviously a huge aspect of racing for them, and that's what's caused this huge disparity between the two teams so far in the three three races. Yeah. I want there. There was a funny thing here, where it's like if Max keeps having some DNFs, how soon do they make Max the number two driver? Just as like a joke, because it's like, oh, you know, if Sergio's doing better, do you make Max number two? No, Would you do never not. ever happen. No. The more interesting theory in that kind of argument is that if Carlos Sainz becomes the number two, specifically to Claire at any point this season after his wretched weekend, I think it's probably happened this week. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which. It kind of hurts me just because, you know, I like signs and it's nice that Ferrari had him and he had a phenomenal year last year beating out Leclerc and Lando Norris to get, uh, I believe, fifth in the championship, best of the rest out of those all the bottom seven teams. But yeah. he comes into this year and even from the jump, he's been behind Leclerc once they've had a competitive car. And then this past race, um, qualifying ninth, just no, no fault of his own, but then having that wreck in lap two in the sand, which completely derailed his weekend yeah. and now it makes him with a 33-point total, I believe that is 48 points back from Leclerc, or 38 points back from also Leclerc. Also, RIP to Fernando Alonso. 
Yeah, he had he could have gone second row or front row on the oh, qualifying. He, he he was he was on a heater and you know had problems during the race too. Did you see what the issue with the car was that wrecked him? Mm-hmm. It was a uh, it was a gasket failure. I think one of just a fuel gasket failure, which caused his hydraulics to 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 give out, which was apparently a one dollar part. Yeah. So oh yeah. One one euro fifty cents. One euro fifty cents yeah. caused him to not get yeah. not get the front row. Whatever. Qualify. However, they put euros. But did you see that uh, they're trying to bring back the South African Grand Prix? Do you have info on that? Because I saw that explode today on Twitter, and I was like, "Where did this come from?" I don't know. But, I, do I mean, not. I'm, I'm happy if it comes back. I've There's heard some good things in no prior years about on it on the African continent. So that would be cool if they were able to do that. But yeah. Which they raced that track. I know. It, I know the track. They raced it like in the past a little bit, yeah. like, like back in like the nineties and eighties, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, nothing recent, but it's it's an interesting track. Kailami, I think, is what the name of it. It's a fast circuit. It's kind of looks like a square with like a tail on it. Kind of like, weird. I'd like to see but, it. Uh, it looks. I saw a few people do it on like iRacing with the, with the new F one car mods, and uh, it looked pretty entertaining. I'd say so. Yeah. Who knows if we go there in like twenty twenty four or not? It'd be nice to have the African continent on the you know the world championship. You could do something too, like in morocco or cairo egypt or something like that i mean there's not a lot of places in between you could put it but you know one of those three locations yeah just somewhere and give i mean even even south africa it's a nice you get another race in the southern hemisphere there's not a lot besides australia i guess is the only one brazil brazil it's close i can't think of where brazil's rio or not rio uh sao paulo sao paulo is yeah i think that's the equator not super south but That'll be an interesting addition. I mean, it's gonna end up being thirty races a year. It seems like maybe now, Malaysia too. That's a fun track. I've never, I've never got to see in person, so I'd be happy with that one returned. Yeah. They're saying that might return this year as like a replacement for Russia. Or if they ever yeah, that out. yeah. But I was just saying that one's in the Southern Hemisphere. Too. Yeah, yeah. But these Vegas coming up and just all the other tracks that are trying to get deals with them. Yes, sir. We'll, we'll see what F one eventually does. I'm personally, I, I don't think they should do like the thirty race calendars like they're kind of saying because I mean, yeah, they're bringing a ton of money, but you're going to get, you know, the workers in F1 are going to get tired working 30 weekends out of 50 when you're traveling all over the world every week. Yeah, no, but you can't really. You can't realistically, logistically do it. I will say what I'm, I am in favor of is you do some kind of rotation. You put maybe 10 tracks or so as like permanent fixtures, like all your, you know, your classic Europeans, maybe just like, like for like America, for instance, you know, you got three tracks, maybe just Coda is every mm-hmm. year. And then you cycle between having Miami or Vegas as the second race. And then you just, you know, one year, oh, you have Malaysia and Kailami and South Africa. Or They're the next talking year, you about have... putting five freaking races in America. So what are the other? What other tracks are the other two? Unless New I mean, York and Indy. I'd like Indy back. They're yeah, trying I've, to I've bring heard back of... Indy, and then they were going to do a New York street course of some variety. Oh God, I'm sure the city of New York would love that. They do a New York. <laughs> they do they Formula do... E does it. Yeah, but it's like F1 want to do it like through Times Square, whereas Formula E does it like in a harbor, like north or something weird. Yeah, it's still cool. It's still cool. Yeah, but it's like you know, um, F1 will try to shut that city down to get it bring a back Montreal. Ride. I'm tired of these Canadians shutting down their country. I want that track back. That's still on the calendar this year, isn't it, or no? I don't think so. Oh, no. I can't remember if it was or not, if it got sacked because of some reason. But either way, new tracks are always exciting for me, as you know how I like to work with things. But Oh, no. Okay, Montreal is back this year, June June 19th. Oh, it's not even that far away. Look yeah, at that. That's I'm, pretty I'm happy about that then. Yes. There you go. I like that course. <laughs> but we'll all round out our show here. Chris, Liam as well. Thank you for coming on, as always, and uh, we'll get back next week. More draft talk, and hopefully some NFL news or something comes out next week can supplement us. If not, I'm going to have to subject you all to uh, to NBA playoff talk. Or Dallas. 
or Bristol Dirt. Or Bristol just Dirt. Just an hour segment on Bristol Dirt. <laughs> we'll give Chris a live replay and just have him react to every wreck Bubba Wallace causes. There we go. Yeah, we'll just we'll do uh we'll do a highlight video extended. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and make a bold prediction. What? Bubba's gonna get top fifteen. That's not bold. That's not that's what he That's do- bold for him? Not really. When's the last time he got top fifteen besides Daytona? Uh it's probably only maybe happened once since then. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, but he expects more of himself. His team expects more of him. It shouldn't be like they shouldn't happen. be celebrating because of a top fifteen. Yeah, it should be a handshake. Be like, I know, good, you finally did your job. I think top fifteen. It's bold, you know. He just got sixteenth. Give us top ten. Say it. He, top five. Think, That's bold. I think twelve. He did, he did okay. Twelfth. I'd be like, awesome. <laughs> Plus or minus two crashes he causes. Or uh, is involved in. Mm, I don't know. You can never, never really predict that. Plus. Plus. Because it could happen to anybody. I'm taking the over. But uh, anyways, <laughs> we'll, we'll head out on that. Remember to follow us on social media at Off the Bench XLR on Instagram to check out more from the show as well. Check out our podcast network. We're on all major podcasting platforms. That is Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever else you listen. Just look up Off the Bench and you can find all episodes from the show for all three seasons as well as this current episode being released later tonight. So check us out there again, all major podcasting platforms. That is Off the Bench. Remember to stay in the game and Off the Bench and have a good night.